And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West and the most haunted city in the country. Well, today's February 14th, 45th day of the year. Just 320 days remain till the year's over with. And then we get to do it all over again. The... I might also point out, this is Valentine's Day, so happy Valentine's Day to everybody. (coughs) It's also Ash Wednesday. Uh, Besant Panchami, uh, Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Day. Frederick Douglass Day, Gold Heart Day. Have a Heart Day, International Book Giving Day, League of Women's Voters Day, Library Lovers Day, Louis Nagai Knee Festival, Madly in Love with Me Day, National Black Literacy Day, National Boon Day, National Call-In Single Day, National Chance Day, National Christine Day. National Condom Day, National Cream-Filled Chocolate Day, National Donor Day, National Ferris Wheel Day, National Football Hangover Day, National Impotence Day, also known as Erectile Dysfunction, uh, Organ Donor Day, Pet Theft Awareness Day, Crookie Alone Day, um, dedicated to the most important kind of love, self-love. Rafik Hariri Memorial Day. Uh, the assassination of Rafik Hariri was a turning point in the history of Lebanon. Read Your Child Day. Statehood Day in Arizona. Vasant Panchami. Uh, that's a festival that honors a goddess and marks the preparation for the arrival of spring. Uh, World Bonobo Day. Uh, World Sound Healing Day. <coughs> now, all that having been said, um, you know, Valentine's Day is a worldwide celebration, just for your information. 748 AD, Abbasid Revolution, the Hashimi rebels under Abu Mus- uh, Muslim Khorasani take Merv, capital of the Umayyad province of Khorasan, marking the consolidation of the Abbasid revolt. 842, Charles the Bald and Louis the German swear the oaths of Strasbourg in the French and German languages. For those who are not familiar with the oaths of Strasbourg, it's a military pact made on February 14, 842 by Charles the Bold and Louis the German against their older brother Lothar I, designated heir of Louis the Pious, the successor of Charlemagne. One year later, the Treaty of Verdun would be signed with major consequences for Western Europe's geopolitical landscape. The um, 1014, Pope Benedict VIII crowns Henry of Bavaria, King of Germany and of Italy, as Holy Roman Emperor. 1130, the Troubled 1130 papal election exposes a rift within the College of Cardinals. 1349, several hundred Jews are burned to death by mobs while the remaining Jews are forcibly removed from Strasbourg. I've never understood why everybody decides they're responsible for everything negative. 1530, Spanish conquistadors led by Nuno de Guzman overthrow and execute uh, Tango Xuan II, the last independent monarch of the Tarascan State in present-day central Mexico. 1556, having been declared a heretic and laicized by Pope Paul IV on December 4, 1555, Archbishop of Canterbury Thomas Cramer is publicly defrocked at Christ Church Cathedral. 1556, the coronation of Akbar's rule of the Mughal Empire takes place on this date. 1613, wedding of Princess Elizabeth and Frederick V of the Palatinate at Whitehall Palace in London. 1655, 
The Mapuches launched coordinated attacks against the Spanish in Chile, beginning the Mapuche uprising in 1655. 1778, the United States flag is formally recognized by a foreign naval vessel for the first time when uh, French Admiral Toussaint Guillaume Picot de Lamotte renders a nine-girls gun salute to USS Ranger, commanded by John Paul Jones. 1779, American Revolutionary War, the Battle of Kettle Creek is fought in Georgia. Also in 1779, James Cook is killed by Native Hawaiians near Kalia Kikua on the island of Hawaii. If I'm not mistaken, there was a little bit of cannibalization involved here. 1797, French Revolutionary Wars, Battle of Cape St. Vincent. John Jervis, later the first Earl of St. Vincent, and Horatio Nelson, later the first Viscount Nelson, uh, lead the British Royal Navy to victory over a Spanish fleet in action near Gibraltar. 1804, Calo leads the first Serbian uprising against the Ottoman Empire. 1831, Ras Mary Yeju marches into Tigray and defeats and kills Dzazmak Sabagadis in the Battle of uh, Debre Abbey. 1835, the original Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the Latter-day Saint movement is formed in uh, Kirtland, Ohio. 1849, New York City, James Knox Polk becomes the first serving president of the U.S. to have his photograph taken. 1852, Great Ormond, uh, uh, one more time, Great Ormond Street Hospital for sick children, the first hospital in England to provide inpatient beds specifically for children, is founded in uh, London. 1855, Texas is linked by telegraph to the rest of the U.S. with the completion of a connection between New Orleans and Marshall, Texas. 1859, Oregon is admitted as the 33rd U.S. state. 1876, Alexander Graham Bell applies for a patent for the telephone, as does Elisha Gray. 1979, the War of the Pacific breaks out when the Chilean army occupies the Bolivian port city of Antofagasta. 1899, voting machines are approved by Congress for use in federal elections. Much easier to manipulate and cheat with, don't you know? 1900, the British Army begins the Battle of the Tugela Heights in an effort to lift the siege of Ladysmith. That's in uh, South Africa, don't you know? 1903, U.S. Department of Commerce and Labor is established, later split into the Departments of Commerce and Department of Labor. 1912, Arizona is admitted as the 48th and the last contiguous U.S. state. 1912, the U.S. Navy commissions its first class of diesel-powered submarines. 1918, Russia adopts a Gregorian calendar. 1919, the Polish-Soviet War begins. 1920, the League of Women's Voters is founded in Chicago. 1924, the Computing Tabulating Recording Company changes its name to International Business Machines Corporation, or IBM as we know it. 1929, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Seven people, six of them gangster rivals of Al Capone's gang are Murdered in Chicago. 1939, World War II, German battleship Bismarck is launched. 1942, World War II, Battle of Pashir Penang uh, contributes to the fall of Singapore. 1943, World War II, Rostov-on-Don, Russia is liberated. 1943, World War II, Tunisia campaign. General Hans Jorgen von Amin's 5th Panzer Army launches a counterattack against Allied positions in Tunisia. 1944, World War II, in the action of February 14, 1944, a Royal Navy submarine sinks a German-controlled Italian Reggio Marina submarine in the Strait of Malacca. 1945, World War II, on the first day of the bombing of Dresden. British Royal Air Force and the United States Army Air Force begin firebombing Dresden. 1945, World War II, navigational error leads to the mistaken bombing of Prague, Czechoslovakia, by... U.S. Army Air Force Squadron of B-17s assisting in the Soviet Red Army's uh, Vistula Oder Offensive. 1945, World War II. Most stars liberated by Yugoslav partisans. 1945, It's um, For those who are not familiar with Most Star, it's a city in the administrative center of Herzegovina, Neretva, Kantan, in the Federation of Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, which is an entity of Bosnia and Herzegovina and the historical capital of Herzegovina. 
So it's a rather prominent um, city. 1945, President Roosevelt meets King Ibn Saud of Saudi Arabia aboard the USS Quincy, officially beginning the U.S.-Saudi diplomatic relations. 1946, Bank of England is nationalized. 1947, an act abolishing all noble ranks and related styles comes into force in Hungary. 1949, the Knesset Parliament of Israel convenes for the first time. 1949, an asbestos strike begins in Canada. This strike marks the beginning of the Quiet Revolution in Quebec. 1954, First Indochina War, small French garrison at Doc Doi is overrun by the Viet Minh after a week's siege. 1961, discovered the chemical elements element 103, Laurentium, is first synthesized at the University of California. 1966, Australian currencies decimalized. 1979, in Kabul, Satami Mili militants kidnapped the American ambassador to Afghanistan, uh, Adolf Dubbs, who was later killed during a gunfight between his captors and the police. 1983, U.S. American uh, Bank of Knoxville, Tennessee collapses. Its president, Jake Butcher, is later convicted of fraud. 1989, Union Carbide agrees to pay $470 million to the Indian government for damages it caused in the 1984 Bhopal disaster. 1989, also saw Iranian leader Khomeini issue a fatwa, encouraging Muslims to kill Salman Rushdie, author of the Satanic Verses. 1990, 92 people are killed when Indian Airlines Flight 605 crashes in uh, Bangalore, India. Also in 1990, the Voyager 1 spacecraft takes the photograph to planet Earth that becomes famous as Pale Blue Dot. 1998, oil tanker train uh, collides with a freight train in Yonde, Cameroon, spilling fuel oil. One person scavenging the oil creates a massive explosion that killed 120 people. 2000, a spacecraft NEAR Shoemaker enters orbit around asteroid 433 Eros, the first spacecraft to orbit an asteroid. 2003, Iraq disarmament crisis. UNMOVIC Executive Chairman Hans Bux reports the United Nations Security Council disarmament inspectors have found no weapons of mass destruction in Ba'athist, Iraq. Of course, as we have learned about the United Nations, I wouldn't bet the farm on anything they have to say. 2004, in a suburb of Moscow, Russia, the roof of the Transvaal water park collapses, killed more than 28 people, wounded 193 others. 2005, in Beirut, 23 people, including former Prime Minister Rafik Harari, are killed when the equivalent of a 1,000 kilograms... Uh, Kilograms of TNT is detonated while Harrison Ryrie's motorcade drives through the city. 2005, seven people were killed and 151 wounded in a series of bombings by suspected Al-Qaeda-linked militants that hit uh, Makati Davao City and General Santos, all in the Philippines. Um, 2005, YouTube is launched by a group of college students, eventually becoming the largest video-sharing website in the world and the main source of viral videos. 2008, Northern Illinois University shooting. Gunman opens fire in a lecture hall of Northern Illinois University in DeKalb County, Illinois. Resulted in six fatalities, including the gunman, as well as 21 other injuries. 2011, as part of Arab Spring, the Bahraini uprising begins with a day of rage. 2018, Jacob Zuma resigns as president of South Africa. 2018, a shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida is one of the deadliest school massacres with 17 fatalities and 17 injuries. If I'm not mistaken, uh, security guards that should have dealt with it ran and hid. And in 2019, 
Puwama attack takes place in the Lithporan Puwama district, Jammu and Kashmir, India, in which 40 Central Reserve Police Force personnel and a suicide bomber are killed and 35 more are injured. Well, it's, um, we live in a dangerous world. There's no question about that. Well, we have been talking about um, some of the world's scariest places. And I got a few more to talk about today. The, um, when I say scariest, I mean haunted. Um, you know, there's been uh, a lot of stories of ghosts and um, hauntings that have come down to us. One of the most haunted places, of course, is what we know as the Kremlin. The uh, so August 30th, 1918, Vladimir Lenin was speaking at a Moscow factory named Hammer and Sickle. Afterwards, as the founder of the Communist Party and first head of the Soviet state left the building, revolutionary by the name of Fanya Kaplan called out to him and fired three shots. One hit him in his shoulder and the other hit him in his neck. At least that's the official Soviet story. And although Lenin survived, he never fully recovered. And the injuries he sustained led to the series of strokes that ultimately killed him. He was for years afterwards unable to walk without a cane. I can sympathize with that. Which is why in 1923, witnesses, according to the legend, thought it strange to see him moving quickly and unaided through the building's halls. And even stranger, Lenin was actually away from the complex at the time. So who did they see? People who knew him and saw him every day. Who did they see? Well, wasn't it a bad omen? Well, possibly. A few months after this sighting, January 1924, Lenin died. You know, his embalmed body is now entombed in Red Square in front of the Kremlin uh, wall, surrounded by 240 victims of his October Revolution. His ghost prowls the fortress where he has plenty of company. Ivan the Terrible, who died of a stroke while playing chess, is sometimes seen in the Ivan the Great Bell Tower. The ghost of Soviet dictator Joseph Stalin, who died of a stroke as he slipped into a paranoid old age, brings with him a blast of cold air. And the spirit of Kaplan himself, who was executed soon after the assassination attempt, said to haunt uh, Commandant Skaya Bell Tower, a pale, disheveled woman waving a gun. Well, like any other city steeped in history and mystery, Moscow proper has its share of ghosts. Um number of sites supposedly haunted by the likes of a spectral cat in the Vizcaya Street, a ghostly carriage on Kuznetsky Most, and an old man on uh, Mayesnitskaya Street. It's even a notorious thoroughfare from Leibertsky to Litkarino Streets uh, that has the site of so many mysterious accidents, it's called the Death Road. Well, whether any of these events and apparitions are Real, in the true sense of the word, may be beside the point. In the words of Russian writer Anton Chekhov, man is what he believes. And there are many, many people who believe that uh, Lenin, who has literally changed the world, has never really gone away. Well, let's talk about the Via Crucis procession on Good Friday in the Colosseum in uh, Rome. Of course, the Colosseum is said to be uh, haunted by the ghost of gladiators. And the bones of thousands of dead monks create an unusual form of interior decoration at the Capuchin Crypt under the Church of Santa Maria del Concezion uh, de Cappuccini. According to historian Titus Livius, talking about uh, Romulus, the alleged founder of Rome. A violent thunderstorm arose and enveloped the king in so dense a cloud he was quite invisible. This was written about in one of uh, Titus Livius' uh, 142 books about Rome. 
He said from that hour, Romulus was no longer seen on this earth. He vanished. No discussion was made about Remus, his twin. This fabled disappearance occurred in what was then the Campus Martius, Field of Mars, one remnant of which remains the Pantheon, the monument built by uh, Emperor Hadrian to honor the pagan gods. That structure is now said to be haunted by ancient priests, and the eerie blue lights have been seen in its interior. Other supposedly haunted sites in the Eternal City include the Colosseum, host of the ghosts of many dead gladiators, skeleton-filled capuchin crypt, Church of Santa Maria del Popolo, said to be haunted by Emperor Nero, who might have been buried on this spot, according to legend. And according to legend, so many people saw the mad emperor here that in 1099, Pope Pascal II was petitioned to exercise his ghost. Well, this ultimately led to the building of the church on that location. Well, you might be skeptical. The um, So was Titus Livius, who... After telling the story about Romulus' celestial disappearance, wrote that humans want to believe in this sort of phenomena. He said, it's marvelous how the army was soothed by the belief that had been created in Romulus' immortality. And certainly, if you didn't die but just vanished, it could be argued you're still alive. Well, let's go to Newgrange in County Meath, Ireland talk about the megalithic mystery. It all began in 1699 when Charles Campbell, a landowner in Boyne Valley in County Meath, Ireland, asked his workers to dig for stone in a seemingly nondescript mound on his land. It wasn't long before the men discovered what they thought was the mouth to a cave, but this turned out not to be your ordinary cavern. Turned out to be the entrance to what would eventually be known as New Grange, an elaborately decorated megalithic structure built in 3200 BC. Actually, predates Egypt's Great Pyramid of Giza by 700 years, and Stonehenge by several hundred. This World Heritage Site is one of the oldest buildings in the world. Well, in time, New Grange was revealed as only one of more than 90 ancient structures, most significant being New Grange, Cloth, and Douth. From a complex known as Bruna Boyne, meaning Palace of the Boyne. The first new grange was seen as only a passage tomb, meaning that it led to a funerary chamber where bodies, often cremated, were buried. But some think it's actually a temple, and it's been acknowledged as a place where ancient people encounter different realms of existence, other dimensional beings, spirits, and even dead ancestors. Well, the three great Boyne tombs must have been sources of awe and wonder and superstition from very early times, maybe even from their very beginning, according to Michael and Carol Kelly and uh, their work entitled Newgrange, Archaeology, Art, and Legend. And they still are a source of awe, wonder, and superstition. Crowds of people flock there every year during the winter solstice. That's the beginning of the Neolithic New Year. When every dawn for nearly a week in late December, a beam of sunlight floods Newgrange's inner chamber through a portal precisely designed for that reason. Thin places is what the Celts call spots where the line between the living and the dead, the mundane and the mystical is... And now, let's talk about the Mineral Palace. And beginning in the 13th century and up to about 2007, southern Poland's Wilitsk salt mines produced uh, table salt. And whether you want to believe it or not, it was once as valuable as oil is today. And well before Morton's salt, the miners meticulously and lovingly sculpted subterranean salt art, statues, chandeliers, even created 40 chapels, often at the risk of their own lives. Most impressive chapel, St. Kinga's, the world's largest underground church. There are a lot of legends and stories about the mine at Wilitska, according to the Handbook of World Salt Resources. One is that the Hungarian Princess Kinga, patron saint of Polish salt miners, uh, after she tossed her engagement ring into a Hungarian mine, according to the story, it miraculously reappeared later in Wilitska. 
And in the depths of this mineral palace, you'll find statues of the seven dwarves, even a statue of a friendly ghost, sort of a sodium version of Casper, I guess. He said to look out for miners, warning them of imminent explosions or a presence of lethal methane by saying, Do not go! But this underground world has seen its share of tragedy. In the Yosef Posudsky chamber, a ferryboat capsized in a lake in 1915. Killed a number of Prussian soldiers. These days, a salt statue of St. John of Nepomuk, a bohemian saint who protects against flood and drowning, stands before the, the defunct boat. 1944, the Nazis forced Polish Jews to work on an assembly line for aircraft machinery in the Stasik chamber. And there the workers carved a star of David that can still be seen today. These days, the mine has become not only a tourist attraction, but uh, an occasional destination spot for thrill-seekers. Think bungee jumping and windsurfing and even hot air ballooning. Weddings and even business conferences are held in the depths, and the household offers uh, algae facers. However, there, there are no salt scrubs, at least not at this point. Well, from Poland, let's go to Italy. Shadowy Venice. Um, now there's a saying in Venice. When an evil man dies, he wakes up in Faviglia. It refers to the deserted 17-acre island in the city's South Lagoon at uh, Time Magazine. No less is called the world's most haunted location. Over the centuries, the island has seen mental institutions uh, that uh, are said to have performed unnecessary lobotomies. You can see proof of that in our Congress. Thousands of plague victims, reportedly uh, since Roman times, resulting in so many deaths that the soil is said to be 50% human ash. And air is filled, according to a legend with ghosts, most famous of which is a plague victim known as Little Maria, said to cry out as she stares across the lagoon, uh, Wanting to go home to Malamacoco. Places are packed with rubble and institutional remains that tourists aren't allowed to even set foot on the island. Although a crew from TV's Ghost Adventures ensconced themselves there for 24 hours in 2009. It may change one day, but right now it's still keep off. 2014, attempting to pay off its debt, Italy sold the place to an Italian businessman for $704,000. And while the government hoped it would become a luxury hotel, despite protests from Venetians fighting to preserve the, the brutal history, the, the developer never followed through with construction. Don't have any record on who owns it right now. Another sinister setting is Cadario, the 15th century palazzo known as the House of No Return. You know, an abnormally high percentage of people who've lived within its walls have died unnaturally, according to legend. Then there's Casa Degli Spirite, House of the Spirits, said to be inhabited by a suicide's ghost. And there's the aptly named Cali Degli Assassini, Street of the Assassins, haunted by the remnants of many who uh, were murdered there. Doesn't say what happened to the assassins. Clearly, death in Venice is only the beginning. Many alleged spirits in the twisting era streets of this labyrinthine city seemed as present as the tourists who packed the famous Bridge of Sighs, where condemned men once crossed from the Doge's Palace to the prison on the other side of the canal. And the bridge's name should be taken literally, since disembodied sighs have been heard on that bridge through the centuries. As the artist Arbit Blattis, who worked in Venice, wrote of the Veneto capital, the play is finished, but the echoes still remain. And certainly that is quite true. Well, from Europe, let's turn to Africa, where a diamond mining town is consumed by sand. There's a haunted Cape Town mountain and a pyramid that gave birth to the Egyptian Book of the Dead. We're going to talk about those. Well, let's go to Table Mountain, Ghost of the Gorge. You know, if you see it at sunset, Cape Town's Table Mountain has its own distinctive cloud cover, known as the Tablecloth. Ancient inhabitants uh, thought this was a result of their mantis god extinguishing a fire, while a more recent story attributes the phenomenon to a smoking contest between a legendary pirate and the devil himself. You know, if you climb Potclip Gorge to the top of Table Mountain, 
you'll pass an abandoned house in the woods. And though it once supposedly belonged to a wine merchant, the ruins are now rumored to be the haunt of Angie Summers, according to Carrie Hampton's Table Mountain to Cape Point. A slave who died from overwork who now appears as an often mischievous, sometimes destructive spirit, Angie uh, just might pelt you with stones on your way to the summit. In fact, she's actually something of a local boogeyman. Or boogie woman, that is. Misbehaving children of Warren be good or Angie Summers will get you. And she may not be your only companion on the gorge, which is known to be favorite haunt of mountain ghost. One well, such spirit's thought to be that of a boy who plays a ghostly flute in Verlottenbosch, uh, the bush of the Forsaken. According to legend, the name was given uh, when a man who held a grudge against the governor gave the official son a flute that had been infected by a leper. After con- contracting a then incurable disease, the boy spent the rest of his life and maybe all eternity playing his flute in the forest. Though it's also supposedly home to ancient demons, light beings, and giants, Table Mountain now offers uh, such modern amenities as souvenir shops and a restaurant serving the likes of ostrich sausage subs. Picnicking is also allowed, but it's a national park and a World Heritage Site. So those who leave their trash behind ought to watch out for Achi Summers. Never know when she's going to turn up. Then in Kalmanskop, we have the German ghost town. Nineteen oh eight, a railroad worker named uh, Zacharias Loala found a sparkling stone buried in the sand of uh, Spergabite, the prohibited area, not far from the port of Luderitz in uh, Namibia. Brought it to his German boss, who quickly recognized it as a diamond, sparking a frenzy that led to the construction of the German village of Kalmanskop. Over the next few years, the diamond mining enclave uh, became the richest town in Africa, complete with. Uh, Luxurious homes and a bowling alley, a casino, an ice factory, and the first x-ray machine uh, station in southern Africa. At its peak, the town was home to 300 German adults, 40 children, and 800 Awambo travel workers. But like all boom towns, it went bust eventually. After reaching its zenith in the 1920s, Kalmanskop lost its edge when diamond deposits were discovered further southeast and the local supply began to dwindle. Ton of the precious gems have been unearthed over the decades. So, as with most boom towns, the last residents left the town in the 1950s. And now succumbing to the Nabib Desert, the Kalmanskop's dune-swamped ruins look like nothing so much as a real landscape straight from the brush of Giorgio di Sirico. Though there are the ghost towns in Namibia, this is justifiably the most famous, it's Otherworldly landscape having been used as a backdrop for many TV shows and movies. Today, the Ghost Town Tavern, which is furnished with items from the original watering holes, a tourist oasis, and the bowling alley seems to be in remarkably good shape, preserved by the dry climate. And the butcher shop still stands as well, and that's where people have had an eerie presence and have heard uh, footsteps and voices. And tourists have seen people who vanish into thin air. German miners of Kalmanskop are lost to history, of course, but uh, their spirits, just like diamonds, seem to be forever. Well, interestingly enough, it's one of the few boom towns built right on top of a fortune. The supply dried up after World War I. As so often happens, the town was deserted. Today, off the coast of Namibia, diamonds are also mined by divers using sonar to find them in the bed of the Atlantic Ocean. Diamonds are where you find them. Well, let's go to the pyramids of Giza. The tombs of the pharaohs. The um, Saqqara's pyramid of Unas was where the magical spells that became the Egyptian Book of the Dead was found. The uh, text was supposedly to guide the recently deceased into the afterlife, but uh, if tales of lingering ghost of uh, Cairo or any indication, it wasn't always successful. Well, the Pyramid of Saqqara is about, uh, were pyramids, about 20 miles outside of Cairo. Cairo, I can't talk. Carved on the walls and sarcophagi are magic spells designed to help ancient Egyptian pharaohs navigate the afterlife. And as I say, that eventually morphed into the Egyptian Book of the Dead. It's said to be kind of a celestial map, detailing all the ways in which a pharaoh's spirit could travel and explaining how to reanimate his corpse. 
One verse said, Take your head, collect your bones, gather your limbs, shake the earth from your flesh. But where do we go from there? And it seems some pharaohs didn't get the memo. People have claimed to see the ghost of Akhenaten, for one. He appears in the Egyptian desert. And Khufu, for whom the Great Pyramid of Giza was built, is said to leave his burial place, the largest pyramid in the world, at midnight. Of course, I've heard it said many times that they can't find anybody buried in the Great Pyramid. Maybe it wasn't built as a tomb after all. You know, the spooky happenings aren't limited to ghosts, though. The so-called Mermaid's Curse is, according to legend, uh, not just some Boris Karloff movie. 1923, popular British novelist uh, Marie Corelli announced that the most dire punishment follows any rash intruder into a sealed tomb. And the public enthusiastically agreed when George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Conovan, who had bankrolled the excavation of King Tut's tomb, died of pneumonia a month after the pronouncement. Allegedly, the cause was an affected mosquito bite, not the actions of an avenging mummy. But then again, a radiologist who supposedly x-rayed the remains of the boy king died of a mysterious illness. Another man succumbed to pneumonia after visiting Tut's tomb, and a member of the excavation team allegedly died of arsenic poisoning. Think that's hokum? Well, not according to Shirley MacLaine, a star of Downton Abbey in its third and fourth seasons, who claimed that uh, High Clare Castle, where the series was filmed, is haunted by Egyptian ghost. When Carnivan died, he was actually the master of that estate. According to Shirley MacLaine, they had a tomb. They had the tomb of King Tut in the basement. Well, maybe the ancient Egyptians were right. The spirits of their dead live on, but uh, who knew they'd spend the, their afterlife among the the Crawleys in uh, Downton Abbey. You know, interestingly enough, I've had a number of questions about the Curse of the Pharaohs, as it's called, also known as the Mummy's Curse. It's a curse alleged to be cast on anybody who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian, especially the mummy of a pharaoh. Now, this curse doesn't differentiate between thieves and archaeologists. It's claimed to cause bad luck, illness, and even death. Since the mid-20th century, many authors and documentaries have uh, argued the curse is real in the sense of having scientifically explicable causes such as bacteria or even radiation. But the modern origins of Egyptian mummy curses tales, their development primarily in European uh, cultures, is shift from magic to science to explain curses. And their changing uses from condemning disturbances of the dead to entertaining horror film of audiences suggest that the Egyptian curses are primarily a culture, not a scientific phenomena. Now, there are occasional instances of genuine ancient curses appearing inside or on the facade of uh, a tomb, as is the case of the Mastaba of Quintika Ikahiki of the 6th dynasty of Saqqara. These appear to be directed toward the Ka priest to protect the tomb carefully and preserve its ritual purity rather than as, as a warning to potential robbers. And there have been stories of curses going back to the 19th century, but uh, they multiplied after Howard Carter's discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. Despite popular misconceptions, no curse was found inscribed in the pharaoh's tomb. Evidence for curses relating to Tutankhamun is considered to be so meager that Donald Redford called it unadulterated claptrap. Now, curses relating to tombs are extremely rare, possibly because the idea of such desecration was unthinkable and even dangerous to record. Most frequently occur in private tombs of the Old Kingdom era, Tune of uh, Octifi in the 9th and 10th dynasty contains the warning, any ruler who uh, shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin, may Heman, a, a local deity, not accept any goods he offers, and may his heir not inherit. In the tomb of Kantika, um,
doing something. All right. As I was saying, the fifth person known to have died in the mansion is Eno Soria, gardener resident, World War II vet who lived there and when it was a boarding house. 1963, he burned to death at age of 49 in the main bedroom after his mattress mysteriously caught fire. Since then, several visitors described a similar experience in the main bedroom. For a second, they smelled the scent of something burning. And there's also um, stories of a childlike spirit, thought to be Rachel, playing on the third floor. In uh, the two years that uh, Edwin Gonzalez and Lillian Otero lived there, and neighbors described seeing a boy with yellow hair running between the windows. Well, the couple didn't have any children. So they have no idea who that was. Edwin and Lillian also encountered multiple entities in the house, including a shadow figure in the basement and a woman with a creepy smile who may have tried to possess Lillian. As you might guess, they wrote a book about their adventures called Bones in the Basement. Current owners who bought the house sight unseen in April 2015 have opened it up for historical tours and overnight weekly and monthly rentals. as yeah, one way to make money. Well... There's also a very iconic home that's said to be haunted. I'll refer to none other than the Playboy Mansion. Now, the mansion has seen its fair share of um, residents and guests, most living and breathing, and some apparently not. One of Hugh Hefner's former girlfriends, Bridget Marquette, uh, gave Dark House... Uh, some intel on ghost encounters she had while living there in 2002 to 2009, including the appearance of an apparition in her bedroom closet. She said, my sister, myself, and my friend Stacy was sitting on the bed. We were talking, having a glass of water, and the TV was on. All of a sudden, out of the corner of our eyes, we saw a woman standing in the closet. Marquette, who hosts the Ghost Magnet podcast, believes the spirit was the former social secretary of the mansion. A friendly, friendly house mother figure who looked uh, out for all the residents and pets on the property. Marquette uh, had met her years prior to living at the mansion during a visit. A woman died of cancer before Marquette moved in. The encounter in the closet was shocking, but it wasn't scary, she said, adding she believes the late secretary had come to see the new addition to the household, Marquette's new puppy, Winnie. Marquette... Uh, also recalled a vivid dream she had in which she met up with Hefner's spirit at the Playboy Mansion. Wasn't able to say goodbye to her ex before he passed on uh, September 27, 2017. Didn't attend his funeral. Describing her dream, she said, I could tell the house was sort of abandoned and he was gone, and, but I was there to see him. Mansion was dark, 1940s music of playing when suddenly Hefner came down the stairs to meet her. According to Marquardt, he gave me what we... Uh, Call his big laugh like this big cackle that he did. He said, my darling, and put his arms around me. She said, I felt a hug. I could feel his smoking jacket. I could smell his cologne. It was so real. Even after she woke up, she said she could still almost smell his cologne on her. Well, let's talk about in Savannah, Georgia, the Mercer Williams house. Former home of antique collector and restorationist Jim Williams from 1969 to 1990. It sits at 429 Bull Street, takes up the entire city block of Monterey Square, and is one of the most spectacular houses in uh, Savannah. But in true Southern Gothic fashion, peel back the layers of charm and you'll find something sinister underneath. Known as the Mercer Williams House, this 7,000 square foot uh, Italianate mansion dates back to 1860 when General Hugh Mercer commissioned New York City-based architect John Norris to build it. However, construction was interrupted by the Civil War, and Mercer never lived in the house. According to the Georgia Historical Society, it was first occupied by John Wilder in 1868 and abandoned for a number of years until Savannah's historic district was revitalized in the mid-20th century. That's when Williams came to town. Today, it's a crucial stop on the city's many ghost tours. It's also the residence that inspired John Bennett's best-selling 1994 novel, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. This house has seen at least three deaths, including that of 11-year-old Tommy Downs when he fell off the roof in 1969. 
1981 fatal shooting of Danny Hansford by Williams and Williams himself when he died in the same room less than a year after being acquitted of Hansford's death in a fourth trial. Well, long before the tragedies, though, the house played host to the buzziest Christmas party in all of Savannah. Guests lucky enough to attend would be in good company. Williams priced his antique collection, including a gold crown cipher of Tsar Nicholas II, a piece from the state carriage used in the coronation of Napoleon, and a pair of $10,000 crystal candlesticks. <coughs> Excuse me. They were a gift from Marsha and George Washington to their daughter on her wedding day. Also, a flu-blown organ installed in the home. Underneath this esteemed collection, the house itself is rumored to be built on top of the unmarked graves of people who died during the yellow fever epidemic in the 1800s. Gossip about the crime and ensuing paranormal tales swirl to this day. Many visitors report visions of a little boy on the balcony or in a window. And a few years after Williams died, people started reporting hearing lively music and seeing the house lit up around Christmas. But of course, when the authorities arrived, there was no activity to be seen. Well, the mansion's current owner and William's sister, Dorothy Kingery, uh, focuses museum tours of the house on the fabulous antiques and architectural details rather than any of the hauntings. Of course, that doesn't stop the ghost stories from circulating, though. Well, in Burrowville, Rhode Island, we have the Conjuring House. In 2013, the story of Rhode Island Farmhouse was used as the basis for the hit movie The Conjuring, which spawned a film franchise that to date has grossed more than $2 billion at the box office. Built in 1736, this 14-room Cape Cod-style farmhouse in Burrowville, Rhode Island, known locally as the farm on Round Top Road, was owned for most of its history by a family named Arnold. It wasn't until the house was sold in 1970 that it began to earn a reputation as a house of horrors. Roger and Carolyn Perron moved in with their five daughters in January 1971. Lived in the house for almost ten years, all the while feeling as though they weren't the only occupants. Family reported smelling rotting flesh and feeling their beds levitate in the middle of the night. Oldest daughter, Andrea Perron, who has written three books about the house, claims one of her sisters has been possessed by the spirit on one occasion. Perron family eventually sought to help a demonologist, Ed and Lorraine Warren, who told them the house was haunted by the spirit of a witch who'd once lived there. Well, in May of 2022, the property sold uh, for $1.525 million, 27% more than the $1.2 million asking price. House can be booked for the day uh, for day tours or overnight stays during which uh, paranormal investigators are highly encouraged. And, of course, what discussion of haunted houses will be complete without discussing the Amityville Horror House in Amityville, New York. Uh, the Amityville Horror was a book by Jan Anson, who talked about the Lutz's story, published in 1977. There was a movie of the same name starring James Brolin and Margot Kidder. came out two years later. That Dutch colonial sold in March of uh, 2017 for $605,000. The address, of course, was changed to 108 Ocean Avenue. You know, early in the morning of November 13, 1974, 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. gunned down his mother, father, two brothers, and two sisters in her house at 112 Ocean Avenue, which is now 108 Ocean Avenue. In Amityville, New York, on the southern shore of Long Island, 13 months later, a jury convicted him on six counts of second-degree murder. George and Kathy Lutz and... Her three children from a previous marriage moved into the house, which the couple bought for the bargain basement price of $80,000. Well, the Lutzes knew the place's history, so on the day they moved in, they had a priest bless the house, which unfortunately didn't help. George claimed the police felt a slap on an unseen hand and heard a voice telling them to get out. Family heard doors slamming, smelled foul odors, felt cold, and found drops of slime on the carpet. George later said he'd wake up every morning at 3.15 which was the time DeFeo was believed to have murdered his family. He also claimed on one occasion Kathy had been physically transformed into an old woman, and on another he had been pinned in his bed by an invisible force. Well, 28 days after moving in, the Lutzes abandoned the house, leaving all their worldly possessions behind. Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow and talk about more. Haunted houses and scary mysteries. Until then, 
Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.